Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. Liz Loza, Matt Harmon, Ragu. Ragu, can you say your last name for all of us so that I don't trample it? Manavalin, thank you for clarifying. Because I teased it on the Tuesday episode, we are going to kick things off with our um, sneaky fantasy picks from rounds three of the NFL draft and beyond. Matt, would you like to have the first go at this or or, or do you want to have me start things up? It's, It's your choice. Uh, I'll go ahead since you've already done a lot of talking so far. Uh, I'll give you a break. <laughs> I love that you keep track of these things. I know you got tabs. Um, yeah, so I think mine is, uh, Brian Edwards, uh, the Raiders pick in the third round, 81st overall. Um, obviously they take a receiver in round one, uh, Henry Ruggs. They take him off the board. I think that they have a lot of, they have a lot of like really interesting weapons in Oakland all of a sudden. You know, you have obviously Tyrell Williams is still there. Darren Waller is the stud at tight end. Hunter Renfro looked pretty good as a slot receiver. But and then they also drafted one pick uh, ahead of Brian Edwards. They draft Lynn Bowden Jr., who I saw Steve Smith compare to Antoine Randall L., you know, sort of a, a gadgety type guy. Maybe he becomes like a Randall Cobb type player back when Randall Cobb was something good. I don't know. But I like Brian Edwards because he looks different than everybody else in this receiver core. You know, he's a guy that I think can work really well on those back shoulder fades, you know, end zone type targets. That's not really any of the other receivers. And it's also a receiver that, in my opinion, like he kind of strikes me a little bit like Michael Crabtree in that one particular area. And Derek Carr leaned heavily on Michael Crabtree in the early parts of his career when Amari Cooper was struggling so much as a contested catch receiver. I think Brian Edwards can probably do that better than most of the other guys that are on Oakland's roster right now. So it wouldn't surprise me simply for that one trade alone if he becomes like a prominent player at some point in his career in this offense. I love that pick. I was going to mention him a little bit later when we talk about veteran losers. Um, And Brian Edwards, I think, is the reason that Tyrell Williams is a veteran loser. You mentioned it. He's 6'2", 212 pounds, a physical player, moves very well, very agile, especially for his size. Fun fact, he broke 27 tackles after the catch over the past two years. Um, So 
if one of these things is not like the other, it is Brian Edwards who seems like he'll be able to carve out a rather immediate role compared to the other uh, like-ish receivers, assuming Henry Ruggs were then to replace Tyrell Williams as the speedster. But I, I love that pick a lot. I went a little bit deeper. Now, this isn't a person or a player that I think can make an immediate impact. I think Brian Edwards will likely see more fantasy value early on. But I am intrigued by D- Darrington Evans, uh, the running back out of Appalachian State, who was the Titans' 93rd overall pick. They chose him in the third round. Um, also, don't at me. I am not shook by the Sonoris Perry news. He's on a one-year deal. Yes, the <laughs> Titans just added him, but come on. He's coming off a quad injury that placed him on IR with the Bills. And actually, I'm familiar with him because the Bears were the ones who added him after he went undrafted um, at, at the uh, in after April's 2014 draft. Um, and by the way, he was placed on IR in 2015 because of a foot injury. So a player who's had trouble staying healthy and on the same team, um, to me, Perry is just like a special teamer. And some might say the same of Darrington Evans. Um, but I think, you know, while what's impressive about him is that while he was at Appalachian State, he was kind of a special teamer, uh, like a, you know, like a, a speedster. But then he worked to having a three down role at that roster. He's not going to have that at the next level. He's only 5'10 and 203 pounds. So he's a smaller frame guy. But like I said, he did grow his playing time and his skill set. He's probably going to be a change of pace back or a satellite back at the next level. Um I do like how shifty he is. I do like how fast he is. 4-4 speed, which is in the 96th percentile when adjusting for size and speed. Uh, Also a very capable pass catcher. He hauled in 21 balls for 198 yards and five receiving scores over the 2019 season. Um, This is per Chad Withrow of The Zone Radio, which is in Nashville. Um, Darrington Evans touched the ball 467 times on offense over the last two seasons and had zero fumbles. Some people during the draft said that he and Henry would be smash and dash or thunder and lightning. Derrick Henry's been all of those things on his own. So I, I don't think that um, that Evans is, is going to be a threat to Henry at all. I do think it's a Deion Lewis replacement because Lewis is now, if we recall, in New York with the Giants. But if Henry were to get hurt um, and remembering that he's you know, that there's a potential that this is his last year with the team. I do think that Evans is a player worth keeping tabs on. Yeah, I think so, especially like you mentioned the passing game part of it, because whether you think that Henry can do more in the passing game that he than he's been asked to do, and I kind of think he can, like, I still remember, you know, those big like 75 yard screen plays or whatever um, that he's been he ripped off week one in Cleveland against Cleveland. So like he's capable of doing stuff like that, but he's not a guy who's going to be out there like running routes and being a high end contributor in the passing game. And like, again, no matter what you think he's able to do, his coaching staff has continually not trusted him or not used him as a pass game player. So maybe Evans finds his way on the field, you know, in a, in a much more useful and productive way than Deion Lewis did kind of doing the same stuff back in 2019. Let's, uh, I, I have one more deep one, and this is a player I've mentioned before. It's Antonio Gandy Golden. Um, I, I, when mm-hmm. I watched him, I was immediately reminded of bio, of Miles Boykin slash Kenny Galladay, just a guy with a massive, massive catch radius. He's, he underperformed at the senior bowl. He underperformed at the combine 
Definitely. Um, but he went to Washington with the 142nd overall pick that's in the fourth round. He's 6'4", 220, nice size speed prospect. Um, again, just like I highlight, a highlight reel full of circus catches. And I think, you know, he's probably going to be like a big bodied possession receiver at the next level. And, and he doesn't have excellent straight line speed or great change of direction. He's not like this, you know, super shifty guy. But I think that when you look at his catch radius and you look at the needs of Washington's receiving core, there is a world in which he slowly becomes one of those red zone weapons like accruing a solid amount of touchdowns, even if the target total isn't massive. Right. Like Washington has, they had so many needs on offense and I don't know that they really, I mean, they didn't have that many picks to address right. it either. I don't know if they've filled them, but that is going to lead to some sort of value for somebody. He's a candidate for it. They also took Antonio Gibson at the second pick in the third round as well. He's more of like another one of these hybrid -y type guys that, and I saw some people say like maybe Ron Rivera and that coaching staff that is, you know, pretty much the old Panthers looked at him as a guy that they could use in a role similar to what they thought Curtis Samuel, Samuel was going to be. Yeah. yeah. Early in his career. I mean, Samuel's developed more into like a full-time receiver that they can use as a rushing threat every now and again, but like, maybe this Gibson character becomes that type of player. But at the same time, like that, that just leads more credit to your point, which is they don't really have, I mean, other than my brother, Kelvin Harmon, they don't really have like anybody on the roster. That's like, a classic big body receiver that's established yet. And they don't have any tight ends. No, they have no, t I don't even know who the hell is their tight end. I believe uh, Logan Paulson and uh, Jeremy Sprinkle are their top. That's right. Forgot I about Sprinkle. I think those are their top two tight ends. So again, you don't have many big bodied red zone weapons. And I think that those types of, um, opportunities would go Gandy's way because of, or Gandy Golden's way hyphen uh because of his catch radius yeah i'm looking at their tight ends right now uh we've got quite a cast of characters uh at, oh we've got richard rogers That's that it. guy that cost the that caught the like the that hail mary from when he looked like he like had to i mean i can't even believe that he got there he was like the last guy the only the reason Rogers he caught that hail mary from when he was with yeah. green bay yeah, the only reason he caught that was because he was, like, the last person to show up in the end zone during the hand fighting. Uh, they also have Sprinkle, like you mentioned, and they have Logan Thomas. Shout Logan out Thomas, Logan that's Thomas. Not, that's a home, that is yeah. a homecoming redemption story, baby. Not Lynchburg, Logan Paulson, Virginia. it's Logan Thomas. That's it. But, I'm, I mean, I got props for Sprinkle without looking. That's pretty good. Yeah, Lynchburg native, uh, Lynchburg, Virginia native. He's kind of coming home-ish, sort of. So... Hell yeah. Virginia Tech quarterback, Logan Thomas, breakout season. You uh, heard it here right. first. You heard it here first. Can we, have we, we haven't talked about this, speaking of like third round guys. I feel like we haven't brought this player up yet on the podcast, but, and we, this can also transition into veteran losers too for your boy Ronald Jones. Where are you at on Keyshawn Vaughn? I don't know yet. If I'm being totally frank, I'm I'm writing an article right now that's going to be out on the website next week about some of the lesser known later round draft picks that could have a fantasy impact. In addition to Gandy Golden and Brian Edwards, Brian Edwards is absolutely on the list. Um, and Gandy Golden, I don't know if he'll make his way on the list. Um, Vaughn is obviously very much on that list. I haven't watched enough of him to have a feel for, I mean, I, I understand like what he does, but I'm, I haven't watched a, I'm not familiar enough with him to really have, um, 
like a passion about him, a take either way. It would seem to me that because he's a pass catching back, like, and Ronald Jones has had such fumbling issues, but Peyton Barber isn't there anymore, right? Peyton, Peyton yeah. Barber's in Washington, right? So, um, it's one of their thousand like weird ass backs that they've got yeah, on that roster. It seems to me like there is an opportunity here for him to handle 60%, 70% of the touches. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't, I don't think it would be surprising to anybody if he's the most productive rookie back this year. I mean, obviously, I think the favorite for that is Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but if you look at all of the other, like the other backs drafted on round two, like, it wouldn't shock me at all if he's better than DeAndre Swift because, like, that's going to be a committee in Detroit's offense. Well, and I have uh, to imagine this is like James White usage, right? If you want to plug and play, which you should never do, or you want to copy and paste, like, we know how yeah. valuable James White was to Tom Brady and what the state of Brady is at 43. And that's not taking anything away. That's just adjusting no. um, yeah. for evolution. Um, and so I, I think that it, it's the... PPR targets that are really going to boost his stock. Well, also, like, I mean, he could just end up being like the RB1 there, you know, pretty much like no question. Like, I think Jones, they still like Jones apparently to a decent amount. And it's not like they took a running back super, super high. I mean, the third round is nothing to sneeze at, but it's not like they took a round one or round two back where it's like, okay, this is the guy, shut it down. But this this was probably the most desirable landing spot in terms of running backs because, like, I'm very bullish on this Bucks offense, you know, provided that, like, they can, they have some time to coalesce and and get to know each other, um, which is obviously something to think of. But, like, I was just charting uh, Chris Godwin's reception perception today. And like, obviously he's really good. Mike Evans is really good. And I think so many of like the concepts and like spread formations that they ran this past year with Jameis Winston, like it's just going to be that much better. I think even if Tom Brady's in decline, like this is a good landing spot for a back. And if like, you just really don't care if, if you just kind of remove talent from the equation, like he's in one of the best situations. Cause I think he can overtake Jones as an early down runner. And then obviously I think he's a favorite to be the pass catcher. Like there's a chance that he's just the best rookie back this year. Uh, you know, if things don't break the right way for everybody else above him. I think that sound, I mean, I, I, do you want to go into veteran losers or do we want to talk about OJ Howard and some news then you you're driving this bus, Liz, take, take us where we're going. Uh, I'm happy to do some news. Let's start with OJ Howard since we're talking about the bucks. Um, his uh, fifth year option for 60 to, I'm sorry, not 60, hold the phone. <laughs> uh, the Buccaneers exercised his fifth year team option for $6.2 million through 2021. So he is not, despite the rumors being traded to New England or anywhere else, at least for the time being. It's a little bit head scratching because obviously Bruce Arians did not and has not. There's a histor- there's a history here of not utilizing tight ends in the passing game. And, you know, the thought heading into 2019 was that, well, when you have 
a specimen as athletic as this one, you, you use him. But no. And now that Gronk is on the field and you talked about, and I think that's a very good point, and I'm a little bit more worried than I think most about Tampa Bay in this regard, but an abbreviated offseason or not enough time to gel with one another to build rapport, it seems to me like Rob Gronkowski is the biggest beneficiary given his relationship with Tom. Although Tom might be like working out with people in the park and just walking into their houses despite quarantine rules because he's just allowed to do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, so, apparently. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I don't think there's a world in which even the most ardent of O.J. Howard truthers can advocate for Howard as an option when you look at the number of targets and mouths to feed on this offense. And even if you're going to use the like Gronk breaking down argument, then Howard is just waiver wire fodder, not someone you're drafting in August or September or whenever. Right. It's funny because like, if you look at this offense, there's so many, it's like Tom Brady. And then there's so many iterations of the Brady, like, you know, history in terms of the offense, because you look at like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, it's like, this is your Randy Moss and your Wes Welker, just like a souped up version of Wes Welker. But then you also have Rob Gronkowski and then this other like athletic specimen tight end. We've seen that story before they have a pass catching back. It's not like, the uh the like megazord of Brady offense is all thrown into like one pot and it's like we're just gonna see what comes out of there uh because like I think I obviously I think the favorite for the target pecking order is Godwin Evans Gronk this running back Howard you know but at the same time like there's I think he's gonna find his way on the field and I do think this is like a meaningful I mean, I don't, maybe it's not a meaningful move because like it's the fifth year option. It's cheap. Who cares? And like, but at the same time too, like I think all of these guys, Arians, Brady, Gronk, like they're all, you know, on a year to year sort of situation here. So like if Brady sticks around for two, but Gronk only sticks around for one, then it's nice to have OJ Howard in the back of your pocket there. Yeah. I I think he's a back of your pocket type of pick. Also, I mean, this is a player who like, if there's going to be this, this, if Gronk hadn't have signed, then I think he would have been on my list of like prove it players. Yeah. Post type sleeper type of guy. But yeah, yeah I don't like really that now. phrase personally, like post type sleeper. It's just, I don't, it's too many words. Like just prove it to me. <laughs> it is three words. You know, that, that is a lot to get out. I keep asking the bears to prove it to me and well, they, well. they haven't. Well, well they, they do did in make spurts. A- and then today, Today, I feel like, yeah, t- today they, and they must have listened to our pod um, because, you know, we talked about how slow this offense looked and how one dimensional it felt. And yet then Ted Ginn, who had drawn very little interest in free agency, pops up on the Bears roster for a one year contract. I will take it. Peace, Taylor Gabriel. Welcome, Ted Ginn. I'll take your four four speed. LFG. I mean, it's like, I think those two guys can fit into similar roles like Gabriel and Ginn, but like, I, I've always liked Ted Ginn more than I think most people because I don't care that much about how much his drops have hurt your feelings, but like he does make, <laughs> he makes big plays, like pretty much everywhere he goes, he's been a guy that wins downfield and helps clear out things for the rest of the offense. And like you said, this offense like desperately needed that. I don't think it really matters to like Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller's like target projections because there was just like dust on this offense beyond them. And I think that 
remains true no matter how many tight ends they have uh, on their roster. But yeah, I think I think Ginn's like a nice. I mean, he's not on the fantasy radar, but he definitely makes yeah. this offense uh, interesting. And ice is still like. I saw Dave Richard from CBS tweet this. I think the thing that's the worst about the Bears is like Andy Dalton's getting released for nothing. Cam Newton's getting released for nothing. Jameis Winston's signing, you know, a damn $1 million Ugh. deal in New Orleans. Less than that. And, and the Bears traded a fourth round pick for Nick Foles, who I know you like, but it feels like a little bit. Of I a... mean, the market determines everything. I think we had to move. <laughs> I'm not going to hate on it. I, I wanted it to happen. And I'm still... I still think people are underestimating the need for chemistry and rapport because we forget about every single year. We're like, oh, yeah, this guy's great. He's going to make an immediate impact. And that's when we, like, have travel and gyms open. Although, hey, yeah. you know, maybe if we all move to Georgia, what what do you say? Did you hear in Georgia you don't have to, like uh... – you don't have to apply to get a driver's license anymore. You just got to get your parents' permission. Yep. Uh, teenagers <sighs> under the age of, like, uh, you don't, yes, it's right. They um, they can just say, mom, dad, can I borrow the car? And then, and, and by the way, parents in quarantine are probably like, yup, see ya. Get out. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what? Why don't you go to the beach with your friends? <laughs> just get the hell out of here. I get, yeah, that makes sense. Where I, I don't mean, I don't, I don't have, I don't have kids, but like our next door neighbor has a three-year-old and a one-year-old and there's at least like four times a day where i think the three-year-old has murdered his younger brother because <laughs> <laughs> there's just like a thump both start screaming and uh the the dad yesterday said uh hayden the the, the neighbor's ears are probably bleeding please stop this is like on like meltdown number four of the day so at least i can just shut the windows yeah it's great <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic I got no nothing to complain about. Uh, I have less to complain about than Andy Dalton, who was released by the Cincinnati Bengals. And you mentioned Nick Foles and maybe Chicago overspending for a backup quarterback who will not back up, I think, will be the starter in Chicago. But um, it is rumored that Jacksonville <laughs> is looking to add Andy Dalton. Um, a couple of teams are in play here. Eric Edholm, our own Eric Edholm, published an article on the website yesterday morning, Thursday morning, suggesting that Dalton might end up in New England. But then NFL Network Steve Weiss reported that Jacksonville had, quote, legitimate interest um, in this free agent. Um, I think, obviously, and this is something I, when I read Edholm's article, I thought was very astute to point out um, the Patriots have some real cap issue with 1.7 in salary cap space only. So I don't know if, if uh, you know, Jameis Winston is willing to take barely a million dollars, then maybe Andy Dalton to play with uh, Bill Belichick might be willing to take a pretty steep cut, but I, I don't know what's going to be where he's going to end up. It, it wouldn't surprise me to like, if he ended up in Jacksonville here, right? No, Jacksonville makes a lot of sense for similar reasons to what you've been talking about with Nick Foles and familiarity. Obviously, Andy yeah. Dalton's first OC was Jay Gruden. Uh, and right. I got that yep, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and like, he, you know, he's down there as the offensive coordinator. I'm really high on that hire. I like Jay Gruden as an offensive coordinator. And I like Minshew, too, as like a talent. But I think it makes sense to get more competition than just a guy that was like, this is the thing about Minshew, too. You know, like he was. He was very good to start the year last year. And then, you know, he had that one bad game, I think was unfairly kind of benched for Nick Foles. Nick Foles stank it up. And then, like, Minshew came back in but wasn't really any better. Like, the Jaguars were still pretty much the worst team in the league 
under his leadership uh, in the second half of the season. So again, like an exciting prospect that I think is very careful and makes really good decisions and does bring some, you know, improvisational flair to him. But I think having a veteran backup or potential, you know, mentor one B is, is good. Even if, I mean, I think Dalton would compete to start in a theoretical world where we compete in in camps. Uh, I think uh, Dalton would have a chance to start there too. And like, that would also be good news for guys like Chark, uh, LaVisca Chenault and all the other guys that are that are there in Jacksonville now. The Chargers exercised uh, Mike Williams' fifth-year option for 2021. We talked a little bit about Mike Williams when we discussed Justin Herbert um, after the first round of the NFL draft because obviously Herbert's arm would be a nice fit for Mike Williams. And I went back and did a little bit of digging on Mike Williams' statistics. And this is per SIS. In 2019, Williams drew 90 targets. So that's more than I was. I was like, wow, Williams had 90 targets. I'm pretty sure he had like under 50 catches. That can't be. Nope, drew 90 targets. 27 of those, so 30% basically, were considered deep. Another like pro for having Herbert. Um, But only 60 of those 90 were deemed catchable with Philip Rivers throwing the ball. And of those 60, he converted 49. So when you look at a player who wins in contested situations, yes, actually has a contested catch rate of 37%, which was wide receiver 24 for that particular metric. Um, That to me is all the more evidence. Um, The fact that you're going to exercise this fifth year option that, that, you know, the Chargers are using their 2021 vision and keen on getting Herbert on the field immediately. And I mean, I think you said, and I agreed very, very quickly after the pick was made, that you foresaw sort of a Cleveland-esque situation where Tyrod is either hurt or loses the job to Herbert and Herbert will be a starter within, you know, it's not unimaginable to even think the first four weeks. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I think, you know, this is a this is a good offense with I think a lot of good kind of underrated players, and if the left side of the line is is shored up, that's going to make a big that that's the biggest problem I think for a deep threat like Mike Williams, but does fit really well. I don't with know though. Like I, I mean, I sort of I, I I keep hearing that and I understand it, but when you're taking into consideration Herbert's arm, like his decision making is problematic, and that has been discussed yes. ad nauseum. But if your decision making is oh crap, uh, the big guy who wins in contested situations is deep, and I've got a cannon, I'm just gonna throw it up and let Mike Williams win it for me and let him high point and bring down the 50 50 like maybe the left side of a, maybe a wonky left side actually doesn't negatively impact you because that's the way it's gonna go anyway yeah that's fair that's fair I mean I don't know I, I hear what you're I think the I think a bad line um hurts Tyrod more but in fact while sure. they're all trying to coalesce I love that you used that word earlier like maybe that's where Tyrod gets knocked out and hurt Oof. tough scene it's a man's game uh <laughs> What? <laughs> Speaking of which, just side note, did you see that Alex Smith recovery stuff? His leg? <gasps> uh, yeah, that was tough to look at. My, you know what got on my radar about that is like a couple of goofballs on Twitter like tweeted the picture out, and within the same tweet said, you know, warning graphic image, like don't look if you're queasy. I'm like, bro. 
it's this is a picture in a tweet. Like, have you logged on anytime ever? Yeah. Like, you you leading off the tweet with warning graphic image. It's too <laughs> late. Yeah, you gotta put <laughs> that TW with the asterisk and then space, 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 space. Yeah, right. Or like the scroll down. I don't even. It's like it's Twitter. You can't. You 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 can't. Yeah, you, you blur. Can't, like, it. Maybe you have like the blur, and then you have to like. Uh, it's an animation, right? We're like slowly. Yeah, it comes yeah. It's into a, focus. it's a it's a gif or something yeah. like. But even then, it's like I, that, that. But yeah, that was a side note to to that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, Alex Smith, like, oh my god, I'm I I don't think I'm gonna watch that thirty for thirty because I feel like it would be too gruesome. But I don't know. That stuff doesn't like. That stuff doesn't really bother me as much, like as I think it bothers like some people, like seeing gross injuries like that. Maybe that's just like a, I played too many violent video games as a kid. I don't know. Sorry, mom, but like. It's definitely, I just think it'll be tough to watch from like an emotional perspective, you know? Yeah, I thought Frank Schwab um, had a really interesting tweet, which was, oh, but these are just, these are just guys playing a child's game. And I was like, well, fair point, fair point. It looked like, and I can't remember if I read this or if I came up with it myself because, you know, six weeks of quarantine, the thoughts are all sort of running together. Um, It looked like a shark injury, like he had been in a shark attack. Yeah, no, it definitely didn't look like a broken leg. leg broke. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that was a little side note. One last quarterback to discuss. Matt, Cam Newton is still <sighs> trying to trying to find a home. And I don't think Ron Rivera wants to wants to bring him to DC. And I think I think Rob, this is pure conjecture, but I think Coach Rivera is getting a little bit annoyed at all the media asking slash speculation because he's sort of like, yo, I'm trying to I'm trying to do my new thing. I'm trying to do this thing. And it's trying to do I, I want it to be my own. And I've got this quarterback that my boss was really, really high on. I kind of had to like to get this job. I had to sell that real hard. And I don't need anybody messing with his head because you can tell he's got like he might be Instagramming when I'm trying to do some. <laughs> so. I think that probably Cam Newton in the building is not going to be good for this kid's psyche, despite what Hale Harmon has to say. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Uh, I haven't checked in with my dad on uh, how uh, Dwayne Haskins' investments are going, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not going good for anyone. So I guess there's that. Uh, I think, I, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't see this one happening. I feel like Rivera has like not ruled his. The wording was he's not not ruled it out, but I would be shocked kind of if this ends up happening yeah i don't i don't any speculation as to i mean i was i was pretty much thinking all right come on it, this is san diego like if san or sorry los angeles the chargers like if the chargers take one of those if they had taken one of those like tristan Wirfs or makai makai benton or whatever his name is like one of those those offensive tackles with one of those early picks instead of justin herbert then i'd be like all right they're gonna they're yeah. gonna take cam on a discount but it seems wild to me. I mean, is there a world in which the Patriots don't do not seem into it? Yeah, I still feel like like there's a part of me that still feels like, you know, Cam is going to go there on a $900,000 deal in New England, like just squeeze Oof. that under the cap, go full Jameis Winston and like win a goddamn well, and MVP. You would, <laughs> you would pay that much for Cam Newton, but you're not going to pay that much for Andy Dalton. No, of course like, not. Yeah. I don't know. It's fascinating. Uh, any any yeah. guesses other than so the Patriots are like the one you think maybe otherwise Cam Newton's like playing a lot of Call of Duty. Uh, honestly, I have no like I have no idea because 
like the the league seems resigned to the fact that they can't like nobody can bring him in. Nobody can sign him if they can't put him through a physical, you know. But again, you could trade for Nick Foles off a busted collarbone for a fourth round pick. Like I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit BS to like not bring in a player that is that that is Cam Newton. Like I love Cam Newton, but I'm sure a lot of teams, a lot of guys that run teams, don't like Cam Newton. So I still think there's a part of it that's that that's at play, and like the injury thing is just a convenient excuse. Like oh, COVID nineteen, we can't can't bring this guy into facilities like I, yet, I think at this you're totally right because like and yet the 49ers I'm thinking about like what a win they had in acquiring Trent Williams on the heels of Staley's retirement and Trent Williams as like dubious as those yeah. medicals were out of Washington did fail them <laughs> like, yeah right right and uh, also they pulled uh, the Bucks pulled Gronk's uh, CBD ass off the street and gave him yeah. a quote physical. So yeah, I think I think it's all like a convenient excuse uh, to not really sign Cam Newton. But you know, so I, if this is it for Cam, I think it sucks. But we'll see what happens. It sucks for a lot of veterans or some veterans coming out of the NFL draft. Um, my I thought it sucked the most for Tyrell Williams, who we've already talked about. So I'm going to let you go next and find another player that I can discuss. Like Devin Singletary is interesting to me because I'm not like to I'm not totally convinced if he is a loser because I think he was so good as a rookie, like metrics wise. I think he looked good on film, like especially towards the end of the year, like in that playoff game, like they started trusting him more. But they used a third round pick on Zach Moss, and there's like a lot of I don't know how you feel about him, but it seems like a, opinions are pretty split on exactly how good he is. Uh, I don't know if he's gonna like. If he figures into a Frank Gore type role, I mean, that's kind of a bummer for Singletary, who theoretically could have been like one of the best breakout candidates in the league as like a good player that works as a receiver and is theoretically the RB1 of an offense that should be better this year. I think you're spot on. I mean, I I do think that Zach Moss is going to be used in a Frank Gore role, and I believe Sean McDermott said as much in a press conference mm-hmm. um, and even said, like, we, you know, we want to use him in this role. We know what Zach Moss can do at the goal line. I mean, that to me was one of the biggest people like to talk about how elusive he was, especially before the injuries. But I mean, he is a grinder. He is a push the pile player. Um, I do think he's and Devin Singletary had trouble staying healthy last year. Yep. You know, and so I think if you're the Bills, you're like, I, we want all the – we don't need any excuses, right? Like, this is a no-excuses situation. The Patriots are no longer a problem for us. We can win this damn division. Like, we need as much insurance as possible. And if Moss isn't totally healthy, well, that's fine. But we definitely – almost like you saw in in San Francisco, and we should talk about this other player, but when Burita and Coleman um, – I don't really want to discuss Jarek McKibben, McKinnon, but like – Kyle Shanahan would not use those, would not give either of those players more than like 12 carries a game, like 12, 13 carries a game because he didn't want to expose them to the brutality of the goal line or to the kind of injuries that you can um, absorb on early downs. And so I think you look at a player like Zach Moss and you're like, all right, like you're this is, you know, this is a player who is good at this thing. Yes, he has injury history, but like if he gets hurt, that's okay because we got motor. Yeah, I agree. And I think like that makes it's just good for them to have depth because like there wasn't, they're rolling out what? Like yeah. TJ Yeldon, 
Give me a break. Exactly. I mean, and TJ Yeldon's another, you talk about fumbling at the goal line or a player who doesn't like play to size. That is TJ Yeldon's calling card. And so um, I I do think it's a bummer for Singletary, but I think moreover, we're going to see, I think there's an opportunity here um, that people are going to underdraft Singletary because they're thinking this and they're thinking about the the goal line protection that um, Zach Moss provides. Um, but I also feel like there might be a hotter hand situation. Yeah. And I, I, I still give the edge to Singletary, especially because he's more familiar with the system. And even if it's a running back and that's the easiest player to plug um, mm-hmm. scheme wise, the most simplistic scheme wise, then I, I, but I still, I still think like I might, depending on how far Singletary falls, take a flyer. Cause he's going to have some big weeks. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll still be one of my top targets. Um, what you want to do another one? Uh, well, sh- uh, sure. We- why don't we actually, like, I love this idea, but I would, I kind of want to talk about Miami's backfield because this is another Let's one that it, people yeah. seem split on. Kalen Balaj, if you want to have a veteran loser, there's your veteran loser. Um, and it, it, it this, this is uh, along the same lines as the argument in Buffalo because you've got Jordan Howard, right, who isn't much of a pass catcher, but probably there for early downs and to win at the goal line. We've seen him do that when given the opportunity, a tough sort of player. Um, and then Matt Burita who is absolutely electric, who shined in Shanahan's scheme. Also, if you're a running back who doesn't, you got problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and has struggled with durability issues, has been on a load management schedule, to borrow mm-hmm. a line from the LA Clippers. Um, he's been on a load management schedule in San Francisco. And so I think that people always remember the last thing they saw, right? And I think the hype for Burita is going to be massive. But I might, I, I just think that everyone's so over Jordan Howard. He had like a not quite, um, I don't know, his exit from Chicago was far from grand. And then Philly, he underwhelmed. And so there's just sort of like a stink around him. But I can see him, you know, being a bit of a grinder and being a guy, this is a phrase you love, who like falls into the end zone and gets you some touchdowns. God, it's been so long since I heard that. Bringing it back. Uh, Just. I I agree with you. Jordan Howard doesn't suck. No. You know? Like, I think people talk about him like he's bad, but he's just super limited and will always probably be that way. But he's not a bad player. Um, he had some big games with Philly last year, too. Like, there was, there was that one game against Green Bay, I think it was on a Thursday night, where he had three touchdowns and averaged, like, 5.8 yards a carry. And one of them was a receiving touchdown. Uh, it was the only game where he had more than two catches all, all year. So... Like, I think we know who Jordan Howard is. I, I really like Matt Breida. I'm very fond of the skill set, and I think this was a good trade to make because if you weren't going to – at that point, and this is probably, you know, from like a team-building standpoint, is probably smart given what the state of their roster is. But, like, at that point, if you weren't going to have taken a running back in round two or three, like, yeah, trade a fifth rounder for a proven veteran who is a good player that has question marks too, no doubt. But, like, I think this is going to, again – in a theoretical world where we're watching camp battles and all that, like this is a guy that I think would be really interesting to see that the progress of the, of that battle, because I think if one player has more potential to like be a, a difference maker in fantasy as like a late mid late round pick, I think it's Brita over Howard just because we know who Howard is, but 
either way, I think this is is an attractive job to get like under a way under the like. I think his offense is going to be fun. Like Chan Gailey's a fun offensive coordinator has made a lot of really good offenses just throughout his NFL career. Somehow back on the scene with a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick who he fits perfectly under. So. And we'll see when Tua gets on the field, whatever. But, like, this offense is attractive, I think, in fantasy. And I think whichever one of these guys wins the job is going to be really – it's going to be worth tracking. And it's obviously not going to be better loser, loser, uh, Kalen Balazs. No, I I think (laughs) he's on the roster bubble from what I understand. I mean, nobody saw that coming. (laughs) I can't believe my dumbass actually, like, listed him as a sleeper in an article – or on a video that we did last summer. Oh, well. Like some, I didn't like remember some, it, so I'm sure oh, no one. I, I don't. Either. I don't think anyone remembers it, but it's just one of those times. Like, this is your broken brain when you've taken too many hits of running backs don't matter. Like you hype Kalen Balage. Like that's that's what that is. Like you you just essentially, and I'm saying you as in me, uh, essentially like you buy in too much to like oh any any starting running back has value in fantasy, not any starting running back. <laughs> <laughs> and Kalen Balazs is the exception. Real quick, when you talk about the lack of reps and the theoretical world in which we have camp, um, obviously the Dolphins have done a lot to shore up their line, and they should be applauded uh, about through about that through the through their efforts of the draft. But I still think those efforts are going to take a while to turn over, and Jordan Howard yeah. can still win at the goal line, and will probably get that opportunity ahead of Matt Burita, regardless. Yep, I agree. You know? Um, all right, do you want to do one more and then get out of here? Yeah, I'll do uh, kind of a double pack here. Uh, I think two AFC East slot receivers are losers. And they're ones that are everybody is very... Like, I can't tell you how many times I've tweeted with Jets fans that think, like, Jamison Crowder is just, like, the best thing ever. But he's a loser from this draft because I think Denzel Mims, like, he's not going to take... He's not going to take his, you know roll away obviously but I think Mims is going to demand a decent amount of targets right away they have Perryman there and I just think if this offense is going to take the next step it has to not be with like Jameson Crowder sucking up 100 plus targets um plus he's because he's just not that good like but Jets fans really love him apparently which is weird uh also I think Julian Edelman is a loser because the Patriots didn't do anything in the draft and like I don't know that I'm going to be drafting him anywhere this year I have I have um, Julian Edelman on my list, and yes, that makes sense. Poor Julian Edelman. I love, by the way, all of the meme work that Trevor on our handle has been doing at Yahoo Fantasy about <laughs> like Julian Edelman staring into the abyss. Is Rob? Um, now I'm explaining a, a meme. That's explaining great. a meme. It's happened. It's happened. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, Julian Edelman is on the outside looking in. Um, to Tampa Bay and fantasy. I mean, he's going to, we ranked him. We did those, by the way, those are, those are a thing. You can go to the website and check out the rankings um, or you can check out the at Yahoo fantasy Twitter handle because they have been tweeted out. Um, I am, I'm, <laughs> I'm tweaking. I'm spending a lot of time grinding on those rankings. Um, oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, but yes, I agree. And I also, I said this on the last show. I don't understand why people are like, eh, about Mims, I think it might be because he fell, or because they don't, or because he's from Baylor, and so it's not like a like a a pet. It might be a pedigree issue, but I do not have faith in a world where you need Jamison Crowder, especially when you have Le'Veon Bell, even if your HC doesn't like him. Yeah, I agree. Okay, 
On that note, we will be back on Tuesday. We're also doing a live draft on Monday, a live best ball draft. It'll be Matt, myself, Andy, Dalton, Scott, the whole crew, and then five other folks <laughs> from the company. Um, and we'll be we'll be doing our first live mock draft. So be sure to check that out. And you can. Follow the um, handle at Yahoo Fantasy. Like I just mentioned, our boy Trevor Lewis is doing a great job working that. You can also follow me at LizLoza underscore FF and at Matt Harmon underscore BYB because I'm sure we will be retweeting or tweeting details about that as well as Boxed In, which is something you should subscribe to. There's a new episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Until next time, enjoy your weekend, whatever one of those is anymore. <laughs> I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, where our current focus is on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, as well as the 2020 elections. Subscribe and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.